Good evening everyone, it's great to see so many out in such a packed house. We're looking forward to a really great evening. Uh, we've, we've got our, our pastor and we've got Timothy Bailey coming to have what, what's been titled the conversation. So they're just going to be chatting a little bit. There's going to be some questions that have been sent in and they're going to talk about what they, they believe and what their thoughts and opinions are on, on, on the difficult topic of what we do in hard times. But before that we're going to stand and we're going to worship. So if you all want to stand to your feet.
without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Shall not fade by his blood and in his. 
God, we give you all the praise and the glory. God, I pray for our pastor, Matt, and for him as they come to share. God, you've been speaking through them. God, you would give us ears to hear and hearts open to you, God, this evening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, team. Uh, you're so welcome here at Living Hope. If it's your first time, um, then we want to give you an especially warm welcome. We hope that um, that you got a you got a fresh tea and coffee as you came in, and you got a fresh face as well. You got a good welcome. Um, we're so glad that you're here. Not only are you welcome, but also any kids that you have are welcome too. We run a kids' space during our services, uh, both morning and evening. As soon as you come in the doors, um, there on your right-hand side as you walk in, you'll see the kids' space room where the kids go in, they have their own program the entire time the church is on, and then during the last song, they come out to greet you. Um, and if you have any kids who are younger and you're a little bit worried about them being disruptive during the service or anything like that, then you can make use of our parent and baby room. It's just out that door there, um, to the left, you can see and hear everything from there. So we encourage you to use that if that applies to you. Just a few things that we want to highlight. Um, what I have in my hand here is the at a glance for November. So that tells you everything that's going on in the month of November. And we want to highlight as well, um, just on the front cover there, the 15th anniversary of Living Hope, which we are celebrating on the final Sunday in November. So um, we really encourage you to celebrate that with us. You'll see a few things on our social media and stuff over the next month but yeah 15 years of being in this building of being living hope belfast and we're celebrating that in the month of november and that'll tell you again everything that you need to know that's going on um, we also have refresh tomorrow so refresh is basically anybody who's free during the day come down here at one o'clock we'll feed you your lunch and then jackie mccoopery and the band are going to be taking uh the service then just afterward after uh, we get a good feed so we encourage you to come and be a part of that uh, see what's going on there so just if you're free during the day you're more than welcome we have a men's event coming up on uh, Tuesday evening. The place will be absolutely packed with men. We can't wait. Um, it's gonna be a really, really good night. But we need help uh, from any ladies that are available. Uh, we'll need help uh, just with the, the, the general tidying up of the place of sorting things out. And um, there'll be plenty of jobs on the night. If you're free, could you see Pastor Matt at the door? Um, we need you from 7 p.m on Tuesday night, so that would be greatly appreciated. There's no kids and youth on this week um, at all, so all of that is off um, for the week and will commence again the following week. And from next Sunday, we're starting up our prayer ministry again. Uh, we did this before COVID and then COVID forced us to stop that. Well, we, we've decided that we're gonna get it started again. We know a lot of people who have a lot of need and would like prayer, um, so simply we wanna facilitate that. So after each service, you'll see um, down at the back, as you go out the foyer there, you'll see um, the team, they'll have lanyards on, so that'll be clear to you then, who is part of our prayer ministry team. And if you would like prayer, 
prayer for anything. If you would like um, somebody to, to chat with, then we encourage you um, to use those guys because that's what they're there for. They're there because they have a heart for prayer. And that, again, will be both morning and evening. So please, please make use of that. And that's everything that we have. So church, could you please join me in welcoming for the conversation, Pastor Matt Davis and Tim Bailey. Thank you, church. Thank you, Reese. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for being here tonight. As you can see, we're trying to do things just slightly differently uh, tonight. Um, this is not an interview, uh, it's a conversation, and you're just getting to listen in to the conversation that we have. Believe it or not, we practice this because uh, a few weeks ago I had the idea of doing this uh, with the theme of uh, what do we do in the hard times? Because it's so relatable to everybody. <laughs> Uh, the difficulties and the challenges that people go through in life. But I thought, well, I didn't just want to preach it because I thought, well, we'll have a conversation uh, about it. And so I spoke to Tim and said, look, let's look at this passage and from 2 Corinthians that Paul talks about some of the hard times that he goes through, which we're going to read in a second. And then um, we're going to just have a conversation about it. So Tuesday night, we actually practiced the conversation and it went on for about two and a half hours, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, I mean, you two preachers up here and stuff, and I don't know where the time is there and stuff. So, uh, what we're going to do is this, because some of you will love this tonight, because um, we're going to take some questions. Uh, so, what we want you to do is, if you have any questions about anything to, to do with, you know, hard times, you know, that sort of, we want you to, to text me, the number will come up on the screen uh, at, at the end of the reading. And so, for tonight, one night only, uh, you're allowed your phones out in church. <laughs> Scott's had his phone out for the last 10 years. Like, but, so you're allowed your phone out, and if you would like to text a question, we're not going to mention any names, So unless it's a stupid question, okay? Just going to say that. We're not going to mention any names. But we're just questions that sometimes people may want to ask. We're not going to open it up to the floor because, you know, that's a disaster from the beginning. So you can text us any questions you may have in the last 10 minutes or so of this conversation. We will try and answer. Uh, I will do the simple questions and Tim will do the hard questions, okay? <laughs> so if you let us know that. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin um, three quick statements and then a reading. And then I'm going to ask Tim a question. Uh, so the first one is this, is, uh, I've said this before, in life you are either expecting trouble, you're either in trouble, or trouble just left. I think that probably would be true for, for most people. Uh, the second statement I want to make is um, God often uses the difficulties, the challenges, the hard times that we go through to mould us into the people that he wants us to be. And the third one, which I think is uh, the really most effective one, and we would probably all agree with this, and certainly one of my favorite quotes is, life is hard, but God is good. Uh, and I think that would be true. So I'm just going to read the passage from uh, 2 Corinthians, and then I'm going to ask him a question. Hopefully when we get into the conversation, he's got his notebook open, that's always worrying, isn't it? It's nothing, isn't it? It's in about that, like, <laughs> Here we go. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 4. This is your Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says this, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, 
riot, labor, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true as unknown, and yet well known as dying, and behold, we live as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. I think that's the end of the passage. There's their names. Um, there's a Tim. Answer a question for us as we have a conversation. What are we doing in the hard times? Can I just say that the pastor said we practiced it? We practiced it for about two minutes and then we both realized the best thing to do would be to just wing it <laughs> and, and see how it goes. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> and so here we are just winging it because sometimes the best answers are, are the ones that, you know, having said we didn't prepare, uh, Matt and I are both it's hard to believe, but we are, we are past the age of 35. <laughs> so we have seen a lot of stuff. And in pastoral ministry, we've dealt with a lot of difficulties. So a lot of what we'll say tonight is drawn from that experience. I've taken all sorts of funerals. Uh, a little girl of three who had a hole in the heart. Uh, we boy at 11, died of leukemia. Uh, we baby six months old. A worship leader in the church in Armagh, he was coming home from... Uh, friends one night, one Saturday night, in a car on the Market Hill Road came down, hit his car, and he, along with his seven-year-old daughter, was launched into eternity. So we know difficult times, both in our own lives and in the lives of those to whom we have endeavored to minister. And of course, Pastor, that's the United Testimony of Scripture, isn't it? That man is born to trouble yeah. as the sparks fly upward. That's what Job said in Job chapter 5, I think it is, in verse 7. Man is born unto trouble. It's part and parcel of life. And the reason for that, of course, is as Romans chapter 8 says, that uh, God has subjected the whole of creation to futility. God has done this. God has subjected the whole of creation to futility. Uh, Paul reminds us not, not willingly. Uh, creation didn't willingly take this. God, the creator, put this upon his creation. And the whole creation tonight is groaning. It is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So we recognize that. We understand that the trouble is part and parcel of life. And I think as Christians and as a church, what we're endeavoring to do is to prepare you for that. Uh, there's no point in trying to dress it up. There's no point in trying to tell you that once you come to know Jesus Christ, every day will be fantastic. And every day will just be trouble free because that's not true. It's not true to life. It's not true to experience. It's certainly not true to the Bible. And what we do want to say is this, that when you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not that every day will be trouble-free, but you have got Jesus Christ, who is more than a match for any trouble, any difficulty, any circumstance, indeed every circumstance that life throws up. So that's why we do what we do in this house. And that's why personally, as I was saying to the pastor on Tuesday night, I shy away from services that are like, you know, like a radio talk show where everything is light and frivolous and everything is chirpy 
and, and upbeat and, and we, we try to create, as it were, a, a carnival atmosphere. I, I shy away from services like that. And don't be thinking, well, Tim, if we're not having the carnival, then you want to construct a service that's like a crematorium with Gregorian chants and something that's dark and morose. Not at all. Not at all. If any of you know me, that's not me. That's my, not, not my personality. As, as Paul said there, and we'll come to it, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. And as a church, what our pastor's endeavoring to do is create that balance so that you have underneath your feet, for whatever life throws against you, a solid rock, a firm foundation. I mean, we often sing it, don't we? You know, in every high and stormy gale, yeah. my anchor holds within the veil. You know, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. You know, his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the well-meaned flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Really? I think Paul here, when he's writing this, and we talked about this, is, uh, you know, when, when he said, if we bring the verse back up, one thing that stood out for me was that when it comes to trouble in life, Paul breaks it down into three things here, and we can relate to this. The first one is almost the, the, the trouble of life, the, you know, the things that happen to us just as life, afflictions, hardships, calamities. And then he talks about a second set of trouble that comes and he says the beatings, imprisonment, riots, almost well, the stuff that other people do on us. And then the final one is almost a self-inflicted trouble. When he says, actually, uh, you know, the hunger, the sleepless nights, the, the things, the stuff sometimes we bring upon our, ourselves and stuff. And I think you made a good point there because I think as we talk about the pastoral ministry and I realize actually a lot of the time what you're doing in the week is actually you are helping people through the hard times that they are going through. You always, I, I, in my devotions in the morning, I pray the same prayer, which is, God, give me the opportunity today to help somebody by your word, because you know you're going to be talking to people, you know, who are struggling with the hardships of life. And so, therefore, what they don't want to hear is, you know, you know, Pastor Matt's sort of, you know, soundbite or, you know, it, it has to be the word, doesn't it? You know, and there's Paul writes here and the stuff that he's, he sort of lists everything to cover everything. I've been beaten, I've been imprisoned, all of it and stuff. I know what it is. But then he said, you know, this is all part of what God has for him. And I'm a, we're a lot alike in a sense. In the, we've said that obviously the preaching sometimes of people here is that Christians should never have any trouble. And we know that's just complete nonsense. It's complete rubbish to suggest that, that because, you know, I could bring up countless people in here who have been through some horrendous situations and say, you know, well, listen, you know, tell us about your life and how you've had no trouble. And they couldn't do it. But they could testify to how when they've been in trouble and the hardships that they've had, the God has led them through and brought them through and helped them. And I think that's the church that we're trying to be. We're not interested in sort of, as I've said before, you know, seven principles I learned from my dog this week that will help you in the following week. We don't want to do that. But we do want to give you the truth of the word. And tonight is the one. What are we doing at hard times? You know, for, for Paul, as he says, you know, here in the thing, we, we said, well, how does he perceive his perception of the trouble that he's in? What gets him through that? What, what gets him through? You see there in verse 7, actually, it says, by truthful speech 
and the power of God with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And uh, we were saying on Tuesday night that Paul there surely is alluding to Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about the armor of God, where on one hand he has the shield of faith, and the other hand he has the sword of the Spirit. And those are the weapons, folks, with which we fight. We fight the afflictions of this life. We fight the difficulties, the circumstances, all of the tough times that surround us as God's people. And let's be honest, for many people, that's the reason why they cannot believe in God. Because they look at the world, they look at what they see on TV, they look at what they read in the newspapers, they look at what they experience in their own lives, and they cannot conclude the Bible's picture of God, which is that God is sovereign, God is all-powerful, God is wise, God is loving, and God is good. And they look at all of that and they say, well, if God is all of those things, and yet the world is like this, therefore the God of the Bible can't exist. I mean, I found a quote just last night, I was just reading, just not not in regards to this, but I thought it was so appropriate, Stephen Fry, that many of you will know, he was asked, as you know, he's an atheist, he doesn't believe that there is such a being, no God at all, neither the Christian God, the Islamic God, or whatever God you want to uh, purport. He said when he was asked, what would you say if you were brought face to face with God? And listen to what he said. His answer is honest. And his answer, I'm sure, will resonate with a lot of people. He said, and I quote, bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create our world where there is so much misery that's not our fault? It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, stupid, mean-minded God who creates a world full of injustice and pain? And for many people, pastors, you know, that's the stumbling block right there. Because a lot of folk are agnostic because they just don't care. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't care less whether there's a God or not. They don't want to give their time to it. They're living for life and for as much joy and fun as they can squeeze out of it. For others, they're genuinely agnostic and they can give you a whole list of reasons as to why they cannot believe the God of the Bible. And for many of them, that is the reason. That they look at suffering, they look at affliction, they look at the difficulties of this world, and they say there can't be a God. But for us who know Christ, our perspective is different. We don't deny the sufferings, as our pastor said. We don't minimize the sufferings. But we have, as the Apostle Paul said, we have weapons with which we fight the struggles and the afflictions of this life. And actually, Pastor, as you'll know, Paul there in those verses is trying to commend Christ. He's trying to reach people. He says that at the beginning of the chapter. He says, I don't want to put a stumbling block in anybody's way. I want to commend Christ. And look at how he's commending Christ. Some commendation, the total reverse of so much of what we see sadly in Christian ministry whereby folk want to commend Christ by their lavish lifestyles and by their lavish cars and by their lavish houses and by their flamboyant clothes. That's not commending Christ because if people come, then they're not coming to Christ. They're coming for what Christ they think can provide, which is what their sinful self-centered hearts want it all along. But this wee man, the Apostle Paul, he treasured Christ and he valued Christ. And I would say, folks, we draw to a close later on. Not now, just in case you were thinking, thank goodness, they're nearly finished. <laughs> that, that's what I want to leave you with. The person of Christ. I want to be like the Apostle Paul, 
commend Christ to you because he is the fundamental thing that will get you through any difficulty. That, that, any that's the answer, isn't it? I, if I could share a personal story, I know I've shared this with some people before. Uh, 10, 11 years ago, I remember praying for a family down here, a young man with three kids, uh, the brain hemorrhage, uh, sorry, brain tumour. And, the, the, and I remember being uh, sort of so, just believing God was going to heal him. And I mean, I thought, God's not going to leave these three kids without a dad. And I remember praying and visiting and praying and, and doing all the stuff that, that, that you would do and stuff. And I remember it was coming close to the time that, that, that you know, that, that it, it was getting worse and worse. I was praying and thought, God, you can't let this. You were going there and you were seeing the, the kids, the kids were very young. It was just hardly ever explained this to the to the kids i know we can explain it theologically and all of this but i've learned that behind every hardship and trouble there are always people there are always people so you know we can come with the stuff that says oh we'll do this now remember the the, the fella died and i was just devastated uh, you know just uh, you know just you know and I, I remember looking at it thinking you know this should push me away from god this should push me away. How dare God take this father of three kids who've got to now grow up without a father and stuff, you know. And I remember at the time, and it changed me, changed my perception, changed everything. I remember actually it pushed me more towards God because nothing made sense without God. That actually God doesn't always give us, and, and I often repeat this uh, at funerals, to be honest with you, which is God doesn't always give us the answer. He doesn't always give us the reason, and he doesn't always give us the explanation. But what God always does is he gives us the strength, and he gives us the hope, and he gives us the encouragement in the hard times that we're facing. Because our problem for most of us, me included, we are looking for the answers, and we don't always get the answers. And actually, sometimes getting the answers is not helpful. And so in the hard times, the, we're, we're getting that, as you said, that, you know, it's almost like when people say, where is God? And I sort of change that to, well, where isn't God? Where is isn't he? Absolutely. You know, and so the hope that we get in the hard times is not based on this, I'm a Christian, everything should work out now. Well, you know, everything should, I should, I should never lose my job. You know, my, my husband and wife should never leave me. You know, I should never face any difficulties. And when those things happen in life, the first thing we do is almost think, well, God, you sort of promised me that that wouldn't happen. But actually, he never did. He never, he never promised that. He just gave us the assurance that he would always be with us through everything that he faces. Yeah. The promises that we hold on to sometimes and that always the promises that, that actually God mentions in Scripture. And as Tim said, you know, that commending of Christ is there is nothing more powerful than somebody going through a hardship and a difficult time and they are worshipping Jesus Christ in the middle of it. That's commending Christ, I would say, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. As you say, yeah. Pastor, you know, on, on, no one has ever said that they made their greatest progress in holiness on the happiest days of their life. Yeah. Nobody ever says that, you know, and you don't commend Christ from a position of wealth. You don't commend Christ from a position of, you know, abundance and luxury because the world has that already. Yeah. You, you commend Christ when you're going through really difficult times. And as the pastor's already said and alluded to it there, we, we don't have the answers. William Cowper, some of you will know this man. He wrote the famous hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. 
his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and he rides upon the storm. And that's our problem, isn't it? We can't see footprints on the sea. I know some of you have that wee plaque up in your houses because I've seen it, footprints. I hate it, by the way, just as an aside. It's all covered in cheese and sentimentality. But I, I, I get, I get what, what that's about. You know, there was one set, and where were you, Lord? Well, I carried you, and, and you're going, Ooh. But anyway, listen, that's one thing on the beach. But, but Cowper said, God plants his footsteps on the sea. I can't see footsteps on the sea. And then Cowper said, and if you know this man's story, within nine months, as a wee boy of six, he lost his mom. He lost his older brother and his dad, who was continually absent, put him into boarding school at the age of six within a month of losing his mum. And at school, this wee boy was physically abused by a 15-year-old kid for years. And he said in his biography, he can still look down and see the buckles of this boy's shoes. He was so afraid of him, he didn't even lift up his head beyond the level of the guy's knees. Now, that's the man that wrote God moves in a mysterious way. And you know what he said in the second verse? Judge not the Lord by feeble sense. And we're prone to do that. We judge the Lord by what we see, by what we hear, by what we feel, by what's going on around us. And we're inclined to say, oh, that's a stupid way to run the world. And you know, I have never, well, to say that I have never is maybe an exaggeration. I seldom have done that now as I've gotten older. I try and bring my mind and my circumstances underneath the Bible. I told the folk a few weeks ago, I, I was going to Sainsbury's, I decided to go the top road, and Emily sitting in her baby seat in the back, four years of age, says, Daddy, this isn't the way to Sainsbury's. And Felix said, what do you know, you're four. <laughs> you don't even know that today's Tuesday. You woke up this morning and thought you were going to church. You thought Mar it was Sunday. Martino, Emily. Yeah, no, oh, yeah Martino. that's Emily. Oh, yeah. Oh, Emily, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we're like that with God, aren't we? Like a four-year-old sitting on the back and saying, is this really the way to sins, please? And, and, and what we need to do, brothers and sisters, is, is learn to trust. We're, we're trusting God's wisdom. We're trusting God's goodness. See, see, when we talk later on about walking through suffering, like it's okay when we're all together tonight and we're all raising our hands and saying, I give my life to honor this. But you know, what do you do like when you're lying in bed and you think, well, I have to be in court number two at half nine and I don't want to get up. I don't want to get in the shower. I don't want to put my suit and tie on. I don't want to leave this house. I don't want to come from hiding behind this Christmas tree. What you do there is you trust God. Yeah. And, and you, even though you don't understand, you say, right, I, I will surrender to your wisdom. And, and we're not surrendering, folks. Pastor, feel free to interrupt. We're not, we're not surrendering here. This is not case or ass or ah, whatever will be, no, will no, be. Definitely not. We're surrendering to wisdom. We're surrendering to fatherly care. We're surrendering our lives and our circumstances into the hands of a God who makes no mistakes and is too wise to cause us any needless tears. Yeah, I, th I think some practical things are probably helping. You, you said something good once, just once now, but just... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Once. You did, you did, and you, you, said, you said it was good. No, I remembered it, that's how I know it was good. Um, he said, when, when, you, when, when you go to people who are going through hard times, challenges, and people do, and you ask them the question, 
Don't tell me how you feel, tell me what you know. And I, I have found that helpful, something, something that you said, yeah. that, you know, and I think that's a good, helpful thing for people, because if we go by our feelings, oh my goodness, what are we like with our feelings? You know, I mean, you know, and, and you know, male, female, you know, I mean, we're all over the place. And it's not just the women, you know, the men are as bad, to be honest with you, because you can get up and think to yourself, you know, how do I feel today? Well, you know, tomorrow morning, you know, I'm going to get up at six o'clock on a Monday morning. You know, you're going to ask me how I feel. You know, I don't want to repeat the words that will come into my head at six o'clock tomorrow morning. But tell me what I know, and it's grounded in the truth of Scripture, isn't yeah. it? Now, that's just the, that's just a day-to-day -day situation. Why do we transfer that to the hardships that we go through? When, when you, and as people have had cancer in here and other sicknesses and other illnesses where it's life-threatening, you know, asking them how they feel gets the response of, well, I mean, they feel absolutely miserable, terrible, they don't just, you know, but asking them what they know suddenly changes the focus on what they're going through on the hard times, you know what I mean? Because we do not want to be Christians or believers who go by what we feel, because our feelings are just simply all over the shop, do you know? I mean, my feelings on most days would depend on if I'm hungry, if I'm tired, you know, if, if, if the kids are, you know, sort of, been cheeky to me, you know, if, you know, all of that stuff that we know, uh, you know, makes us so, and then we're sort of basing our faith on that, and the hard times that we're going through, come on people, we're talking about what we know, and that gives us the security, the assurance, the certainty that we need in the hard times we're going through, would, would that be fair, it was your quote, so you, you, you tell well, me. Well, we see that in the world as well, don't we, I mean, pilots use it all the time. I remember a number of years ago going to Chicago. Anybody here been to Chicago? A couple of us? It's beside the big lake there. To call it a lake, is, is, it's bigger than a lake. But anyway, it's a lake beside Lake Erie and the, the, the Lake Michigan there and the fog comes in. And we were landing in Chicago and I could see, I couldn't even see the wingtip, let alone the ground. It was full of fog. And we were coming into land and, and you could hear, you know, the wheels going down and you're thinking, I hope he knows where he's going because I can't see anything. I guarantee you the two guys at the front, they couldn't see anything either out the front window, not a thing. So how were they landing the plane? They were landing the plane using the instruments that they had in front of them. They had a dial that told them how fast they were going. They had another dial that told them their altitude. They had a radar that pointed, I mean, we've all got it now, the flight scanner, we were able to see all the planes landed. They had all of that in front of them. They didn't need to be able to see the ground. Brothers and sisters, we have a Bible tonight and it's full of 66 books. And, and sometimes we fly using the instruments. And as the pastor has said, what do we know? This is what we know. That God is absolutely sovereign. And I know some of you struggle with that. Well, well then give me your alternative. Because if the sovereignty of God is difficult, if he's not sovereign, then for me that's worse. If, if as C.S. Lewis said, if, if God is small enough for you to understand him, then he's not big enough for you to worship him. And, and for me, those are my fixed points. There's so much about my life that I don't understand. As the pastor has said, at the start there's crises, there's difficulty. Much of the crises I brought into my own life, but God has used it. 
And were it not for that, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd probably be behind the pulpit. But I wouldn't be here on this comfortable seat. We, we wouldn't be here. We, we wouldn't be able... Remember many years ago, I was visiting a, 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 the treasurer of our church, actually, Robert Taylor. And he died at 41 years of age. He contracted motor neurons disease. And he died so well. As they said of John Wesley's converts, they died well. Robert Taylor died well. And on the Friday morning, I left him at 6 o'clock in the morning at Daisy Hill Hospital. We didn't know Robert would be in eternity by 4. He stopped all treatment that day. The doctor said, Robert, you'll maybe be there another three weeks or so. But the Lord took him in his grace at 4 o'clock that afternoon. I went into the car, and someone had seen my car, recognized it was my car, and put a poem underneath the windscreen, uh, wiper blade, and the poem was called, Have You No Scar? by Amy Carmichael. And I read that and thought, oh, that's nice. Have you no scar? And I don't know if I had scars then or not. We lost our mom. I was 17 and difficult things. But personally, to say I had a scar, I don't know. I don't know. But tonight at 53, I have scars and wounds. And some of them are still very raw. But Christ is sufficient. As, as Paul said there in the text, maybe if we could bring it up again, because I can't remember it, believe it or not. I, I'm not a memory man. I'm like Hank Hangagraf for some of you, the Bible answer man. I'm not. But Paul said there, as, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich. And he's not saying, well, you know, you're saying that, but this is actually the case. He's saying, yeah, I am poor. Yeah, we are unknown. But that's not the whole truth. And, and in all of my difficulties, folks, there was so much I didn't understand. But I'll tell you this, there was never a single moment when I was not happy in Jesus. Not a moment. He was my constant. And were it not for Christ, to quote Adoniram Judson, the missionary, I would have gone mad. Were it not for the presence of Christ, I would have gone mad. I didn't understand it so much about it today. I don't understand. But I know this Christ was sufficient. Great question. It's a particular book in the Bible that helps with, you know, understanding hard times. So yeah, definitely Job. Read Job. Job is the one because he just loses everything in the first chapter and then simply says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he surrounds himself with friends who are the most discouraging friends that you've got find, you know what I mean? Those friends that say, would you just curse God and die? You know, and yet the whole uh, book of Job then follows this, this pattern. It's well worth reading. It is a, it's a long book. But if you were going to look at a book for over a period of time, you know, and I think one of these things whereby we we become soundbite Christians sometimes, where we've forgotten what it is to get into the study of the word and, and pick a book and just say, we're going to sit in this book for a while. And I think we need to do that personally. If you're struggling with the, the hard times, the challenge, that Job is a book to me. Because, of, you know, his friends tell him to, to curse God and die. And he ends up with all these things that, that, that happen and stuff. And, and then God doesn't give him any comfort in that, in that. He just actually questions him by saying, man, Job, who give you the right to actually you know, ask these questions almost, who give you the right? He said, you know, in, in that plan of God that he had, you know, Job, he was teaching Job almost to trust God and, well, yeah, that would be easy, but Job had lost everything. 
And okay, it, it, it got everything back at the end and it was more, but I don't think that's the key of the story of Job. I think the key of the story of the Job is, is how you deal with hard times well, how, how, you, how you suffer well, how you do, and it's incredibly helpful. So if that answers a question for somebody, listen, read that. Romans 5, 3 to 5 is another passage. You read James 1, verse 2 to 4. You know, if, if you're going through a particular time, find a scripture you can repeat and stand on, you know, just not something, just because people are almost like, I need a word from somebody, I need a word from somebody. Listen, you've got a word from somebody, it's here, it's the Bible, you know, and, and a matter of times God has just dropped a right word in that just helps in the circumstance. And maybe you'll get a word in the morning and it's just like, this is for somebody today. You know, and if it's a good word, I literally send it to everybody. I mean, you know, or I post on Facebook or I do whatever because you just want to encourage somebody who I know is going through a hard time, a difficult time, but not with just sort of sound bites or something flowery, but actually the word of God. Yeah. Recently I said, Jeremiah 17 verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, mm -hmm. whose hope and confidence is in him. What, what an amazing verse for whatever somebody is going through and stuff. And I just literally sent that out to everybody. I mean, some of you look at your phone and say, again, send me Bible verses. Amen. You know, it's, uh, that, that's what it's uh, about. I'll let you answer the second question. Job, I can I just echo what you said concerning Job? One of the key verses in Job was when Job said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Job would never have been brought to that place were it not for his sufferings. And as the pastor said, by the time you get to chapter 40, Job and Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar have been questioning God again and again and again. Elihu comes, gives Job half of the answer, and then God, as it were, says, Fair enough, Job, you've been questioning me for 40 chapters. You get into the dock and I'll question you. And like a machine gun, one after another, God says, Where were you? Can you? Did you? Do you? He takes them on a tour up into space and then down into the animal world and then into his own heart. But Job said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, and now my eye sees you. And listen, brother, sister, whatever you're going through, one, our time is really going. One of the things you need to do is to develop a real intimacy with Jesus Christ because that will change everything for you. It will change. It changed everything for the Apostle Paul. He was a fanatical wee Pharisee, and then he met Christ on the Damascus Road. He was committed to stamping out these crazy Christians, this renegade group of nutters who were worshipping this crucified Nazarene as Messiah. He was determined to stamp it out. He said, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, my mom was a Hebrew. My dad was a Hebrew. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the eighth day. I was touching the law, a Pharisee. And there was nobody better than me. And then he met Jesus. And you know what he said in Philippians 3? He said, all of that I count as loss. And then he says, I count as dumb. Scoobal on. A, a, a crass word. And you know what it is. He's not talking about broccoli here, you know, something that you can have on your plate, but you don't like it. So just, just leave it there on the plate. I don't even want this on the plate. All my pedigree, all my learning, all my zeal, in comparison to knowing you, yeah. dung. And, and the psalmist said, and with this, I'll finish, in Psalm 63 and verse, eight, or verse 3, he said, Because the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life, my lips will praise you. We believe that tonight, that the steadfast love of the Lord is better than your lovely house. 
The steadfast love of the Lord is better than your health, your continued strength. Everything, brothers and sisters. And again tonight, we're not, we're not, I mean, you know him and I, we're, we can be funny guys. I mean, I can't sing the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia tonight, Laurel and Hardy, if you want. I like a laugh. I like a rake. And it's not that we're morose, but we're trying to prepare you. So we're being realistic. Everything that you love and everyone that you love is very fragile. There's not a one of us sitting here tonight that doesn't have a phone in our pocket or our handbag. And with a ring of that phone, it could change your life forever. Yeah. And what you need in those moments, brothers and sisters, it's not, it's not fluff. It's not, you know, Christian slogans and wee cliches and blooming stupid Instagram posts. You need the word. <laughs> there went off on one there. There we go, mate. <laughs> the pastor had said it's a conversation, but I, I need to remember it's not a private conversation. It's, it's going everywhere. <laughs> you need something more than that. And, and I thank God I'm part of a church and underneath the ministry of a man who's committed to that, to giving you more than that. Because that's what will sustain you. When the doctor says, listen, that's cancerous. Or you need to come up to the hospital. I'll, I'll, let, me, let me finish with the, a final question. Absolutely. We're literally two minutes because I know we want to finish with time and stuff. And it's a great question, which is somebody had sent in, which is, is when I'm praying and God is not answering, what do I do with the frustration? What do I do with, uh, you know, what, what's happening? And it says, Paul hits an nail on the head with really the theme of this, with just two words, actually three words in verse four there. It just simply says, by great endurance, we must remember to stick it out when we're going through the hard times. That there is no alternative. Sometimes, you know, God answers prayers in three ways. We've taught this, he answers yes, he answers no. And, and more often than not, he answers wait. He, we don't get it instantly. He's not Santa that we present a shopping list to him and say, God, you give me this, 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 and this, and I'll promise to serve you and follow you and stuff. It's completely absurd. You know, actually most of the time, we are having to de de develop great endurance in our life, as Paul says there in verse 4, that, that simply just by great endurance, just by perseverance. Perseverance is so underrated in a sense in the, the Christian life, in the Christian church day, because we pray one day, God doesn't answer the next day, and we give up the next day. That's the reality of the Christian life sometimes for people. But actually, we are taught to persevere, stick it out to see, you know, God do it. There were people in there been praying for members of their family for years, and then they get saved, you know. And it's always just at God's time. And like I said the other week with the genealogy and all of that, God's set time, God's right time, and he operates that in our life. But we just keep persevering and enduring and I don't know if this word is in the Bible, but it's a good word. It's a great word. Stickability. We just stick it out. We just hold on to God. And that's simply, sometimes that's all we can do. We don't have anything else other than just to say, I am just enduring here. I am trusting God. And Reese made a great point this morning when he talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when he said, listen, God doesn't rescue us. He's still God. It's still God. It's not at the basis of our Christian life. It's not based on whether God answers our prayers and our desires. I, you know what I'm most thankful for in my life for most of the time? is that God didn't answer most of the stupid prayers that I prayed. Amen. And listen, I lead, this, I lead this church. You are glad that he didn't answer them. Because I have daft ideas sometimes. And I think God looks at me and thinks, oh, no, 
That's it. You know, because God, we just, we just endure, keep trusting, and that our time has gone. And listen, I appreciate, thank you for the questions. Thank you, Tim. That, that has flown in tonight and stuff. Um, uh, we're hopefully do another one uh, to come up with uh, maybe another subject. We'll find a nice, easy subject next time and stuff. But listen, I hope that's helpful tonight. But listen, if we can help in any way, we're both going to be at the door afterwards. And listen, if, if, if you need prayer for anything, if you're going through something that, you know, is a hardship at the moment, you're like, Matt, it, 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 it's answered it, but it hasn't answered it. And said, listen, we, we pray for you. We, we can point you towards God. We can, we can help. We can do whatever we can. But listen, just we hope that's been helpful tonight in what we've said. So we're going to invite the team to come on. And they're going to finish with the final song. Thank you. <laughs> You understand? One of, the, one of the things Tim said was that at the end of it all, he wanted to leave us with the person of Jesus. And everything you go through in, in, in every difficult time, the one thing that we can be sure of and that we can hold on to is that we have a hope and his name is Jesus. So we're going to sing that song as we close our service.
we all want to praise, Lord. We thank you that no matter what we go through, God, we can say that we have the victory. Although it may not look like we've got the outcome that we want or we have overcome what is against us, God, but we know we have the victory because we have Christ. We know that we have an eternity, as it says in that last verse, that no matter what we go through on this earth, we can hang on to the hope that we will be with you in glory. In Jesus' name, amen.